Good morning, everybody. How are we all? Excellent. So, funnily enough, I didn't even talk to Jono, but I will actually be preaching on faith this morning. So that was pretty cool. Um, so the title of it is The Planting of Faith and the Growing of the Mustard Seed. So there's going to be, I've got quite a few scriptures to go through which really portray what's actually going on when he talks about that. So what is faith? Um, Hebrews 11.1 1 is the, the, well, the one that I think of is the best description of it in a very theological mindset. So Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So I used to never, I have a fair good echo, or is that just me? No. Do I need to eat it so you can turn it down a bit? I'm going to eat it like this. Tasty. Oh, that's better. That's more gooder. Yes, Rob, I like it. Um, so that actually took me quite a while to dissect and try and figure out what that's actually saying. And the way that I actually come to figure out what faith was, was actually when I read about all the healings in the New Testament. When someone strived for it and they received their healing from Jesus, it was actually him saying that your faith made you well. So we're actually going to look through those verses and a few others. So the first one I've got is uh, Matthew 19. 13 to 15, and I just read from the NASB. I find it a little bit easier. And, um, so, then some children were brought to him so that he might, might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them, and Jesus said, Let the children alone, and do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. After laying his hands on them, he departed from there. So when he talked about talking to the children, I go, what does a child have that an adult doesn't? Or should I say, what does an adult have that a child doesn't? And I love it thinking of kids and you tell them a story and they're so drawn in and they believe every word you're saying, even though it could be the biggest la da story possible, they think it's real. Because they believe in it because at the time they haven't developed that logical mindset in the back of their head of going, if it's not in front of me and I can't see the physical evidence of it, it can't be true. So that was what I started to, to piece together. And the next one is Matthew 17, 14 to 21. So when they came to the, to the crowd, a man came to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. So at that point, he was actually talking to his disciples, sort of smacking them across the back of the head because they had been with him for quite some time and they still weren't able to do what he considered quite simple things. Um, then the disciples came to Jesus, oh sorry, 
Uh, and Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. And I love in verse 21, it's actually, in my Bible, it's in brackets. And he goes, by the way, but this case does not go without except prayer and fasting. So he's just like, FYI, the reason you couldn't do it is because you don't spend enough time focusing on my father. Um, so that was the first instance where it actually talks about the mustard seed. So in the Bible, the next couple of verses, or sorry, the next section that I'll read about the mustard seed talks about the comparison of a mustard seed, whereas this one talks about the size of a mustard seed. In the Bible, uh, the word that is used for this instance of a size of is the only time it's referred to the actual size of the seed. Every other time it is a comparison word, like something. So a mustard tree is what they're talking about. So it is one to two millimetres across. So even if I squished my fingers together, like that's still, that's probably three to four mil, and that doesn't even come close. And yet, when it actually grows, if Craig can put that up, so that is a mustard tree. They also call it a toothbrush tree over there, which is actually, so as you can see, the lovely leaves and stuff, they'll actually break branches off, and they use that as their toothbrush because it's actually got antibodies on it that actually helps not have their gums go terribly. So... This is a nice, I was trying to be nice about it. So a mustard tree, if I can, yep, here we go. The length, height-wise, is six to, seven, six to seven metres high. Thanks, Rob. So, so that is how tall they grow, and that is also how wide they grow at the crown of the tree. So one of the scriptures that I'll read actually talks about where things will come in and shelter in the branches of the mustard tree. This is exactly why. There is so much shelter to be had that they can be kept safe. So that's actually a small one. And, thank you. I'll just leave it like that. Also, so a mustard tree grows in quite salty soil in comparison to other types of trees. They actually are quite resilient with that. And they grow up in quite low rainfall. So about 200 mil a year is what they can grow in. So when you think of that, on how a mustard tree survives, it's a harsh environment. It's tested all the time for it to be able to actually grow in the first place. But it continues to grow bit by bit. It's not a fast growing tree. Like it's probably 10, 15 years for it to get to that size. But it perseveres through all those hardships. Um, so faith is the outward expression of an inward conviction. All right. So uh, Luke 17, 5 to 6. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. 
Mark uh, 2, 1 to 12. And this is where it starts getting good. So when he had come back to Capernaum, several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to the, sorry, speaking the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. He got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone, so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So in that moment, it was his friend's faith that actually brought upon his healing. So in one of the other books, I pulled up the wrong one, it actually says, because of their faith, he is made well. And so what were they actually doing? They acted on what they believed. They'd heard the stories that Jesus could heal, and so they went, all we have to do is get him in front of him, at his feet, and he will receive his healing. And so realising that the whole house was completely crowded, and that was the theme, that the house was completely full, there was not even sitting space in the house, there was people standing around the windows and the doorway just to hear Jesus teach. And they went, well, we... They could have known the bloke who owned the house, maybe not, but they were so persistent that they wanted to see their friend being able to walk with them again that they decided we're going to put a hole in it. Regardless of what's going on, we want him to receive the healing. So we are going to push through whatever situations come in front of us for him to receive it. And because of that action of pushing through a difficult situation, he became well. Uh, Mark five twenty-five to 34. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his cloak, I will get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus perceived in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, Well, you see the crowd pressing in on you and you say, Who touched me? He looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, 
Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And that's such a beautiful thing. When Jesus would be walking the streets, they were literally, he would be pushing through the crowds with the disciples sort of trying to clear the way. That's how hungry people were to either hear or receive from him. Receiving whether it be healing or impartation or whatever that may be. But they really wanted him. So he would always have to move people out of the way to get to where he was going. And so this lady, don't actually state how old she was. She could have been 40. She could have been 60. But no matter what, she had to push through and persevere to actually get to what she wanted to receive. She knew wholeheartedly. If she doubted herself, she would never have made the effort to actually get there. And so she continued to push and prod and get past because she was so hungry for it Jesus actually noticed that his power left him because of someone had such a strong faith for what they were willing to go through for them to receive. Uh, Luke 7, 2 to 10. And a centurion's slave who was highly regarded by him was sick and about to die. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave. When they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him, saying, He is worthy for you to grant this to him. For he loves our nation, and it was he who built us our synagogue. Now Jesus stared at him, sorry, started on his way with them. Um, And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man placed under authority with soldiers under me. And I say this one, go, and he goes. And to the other, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him, turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, Not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. So there's different levels, sorry, there's different stages of where people's faith is at as we're reading these verses. And so the woman, I would say, is almost a fully mature tree, whereas this one, I would say, is the full mature tree because he understands the authority that God has given him he goes, I understand what authority is like because I'm under the Roman Empire. And so I've been given authority to command things and it gets done. I understand that you have the same authority from God. So you say to people, be done and it will be done. And so for him to go, I'm not even worthy to meet you, knowing that he's the power that will be received, he simply says, say it and it will be done. He doesn't have to actually audibly hear it. And Jesus, seeing that faith, going, I haven't seen this anywhere in Israel to date. It might be later on the down the track. But he marveled and turned to the crowd. And there was lots of people behind him because they continuously followed him from town to town to town. Reminding them that they have to step into what they believe to be considered faith. Um, And then Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat, go ahead of him to the other side, while he sent the crowds away. 
After he had sent the crowds away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and out of his hand, sorry, and began sinking. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. So at that point, Peter was actually wanting to challenge his own faith, going, I've been with you, Jesus, for such a time. I want to see what I'm capable of when I trust in you. And so he's like, Lord, if it really is you, call me to come out so I can test my faith in that. And Jesus said, well, come on then. You know what's going on. Keep your eyes on me and start walking. And so he came out and he was walking on the water, completely focused solely on Jesus. But the moment he took hold of the situation around him, he got overwhelmed and doubted what he was capable of because of the situation he was in. And in that moment is when he started to sink and break through the water. And Jesus, for him to say, you really do have little faith. You were looking for at me and you were fine. The moment you looked away, you started to doubt and that's when you fell. Um, Acts 5, 12 to 16. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all in one accord. And in my Bible, I actually highlighted this because... I really enjoy that word when it bring, talks about unity in the church. So the word, one, all with one mind or with one passion. So this unique Greek word, 10 of its 12 uses in the New Testament, occurs in the book of Acts. It helps us understand the uniqueness of the Christian community. So uh, homothemadon is a compound of two words meaning to rush along and in unison. And so they've painted the picture of the image. It's almost musical. A number of notes are sounded, which, while different, harmonise in pitch and tone as the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concert master. So the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of the members of the Christ's church. Um, so all with one accord in Solomon's portico, which is like the veranda of the temple. Uh, but none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem, and all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their numbers, to such an extent that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. And Also, the people from the cities in the vicinities of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick and afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. Now that's an incredible faith, isn't it? That all we have to do, we know that God has anointed this man 
All we have to do is allow his shadow to touch him. So first there's physical contact, and then there's verbally say the word from a distance. We don't even have to hear you, and it shall be done. And now it's literally the shadow. So the lack of sunlight touching them as the person walks past it, their, God's presence is emanating from them so much that their faith is what made them well. And I start to see that more and more and going, why do we actually lack in faith to not see all the things that God's called us to do and called us to see? And it all come down, what I saw was uh, Genesis 3, 1 to 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. So in that moment, he created doubt in their mind. And that doubt is the largest limiting factor in what we can allow God to do through us and us doing that action of faith on what we believe. So we can believe, but we can limit ourselves in how much we strive to do what he's called us to do in that moment. Uh, so other than doubt, you have past experiences, our emotions, rather than trusting that God is who he says he is. And so for looking at the, the tree growing through the salt, having really low rainfall, as adults, we have past experiences that sort of mould our perception of things. And then we allow our emotions as well to dictate what we feel and why we feel it. And then, so that's all about physical and internal, and yet God's an external out there that we can't necessarily see him as a being, but we can see his evidence here on earth. And for him to say, do this, we don't because we allow what we see on the world to dictate what we do. Um, 2 Kings 5, 8 to 14. So when it happened, when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent word to the king, saying, why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elijah. Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you will be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. And wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. 
Are not Abana and Farapa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then, when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And so even the simple things that we have in life that God's called us to do, we actually limit ourselves in that because we go, that's too, that's too simple. It's not complex enough. Why it needs to be more than that for us to feel that it's actually going to do something for our benefit. Um, oops. So yeah, so circumstances dictate the outcome. But until we start to rely on God more and more, and when we do, our mustard tree will continue to grow more and more and more. But there will always be resistance. But we don't look at the resistance, we look at God. And when we do, that's when we really flourish. So and my favourite line that I use quite a bit is, if God said it, then that settles it. And so, yeah, for us to start living that declaration out. Amen. I can pray. All right. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we just give you all the praise and glory for how amazing you truly are. Lord, that we're able to stand here together as a congregation and bless your holy name. Father, that we're able to encourage one another to continue to strive for you. Lord, to be able to encourage and develop our faith in you because what you said, we should be following it, Lord God. And Father, we just thank you so much for who you are and your amazing willingness to even love us. Full stop, Lord, because we truly don't deserve it. And we are just so grateful for who you are, Lord. And we just pray that you protect us as we live out our lives this week, Lord God, that you'll always have your hand over us, guiding us in every situation that we come into, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.